1 Corinthians chapter number 9. If you'll find your spot there with me, that would be great. Children, uh, we'll be in the back in my office afterwards. We can rendezvous there. We have some candy. So listen closely this evening. I'd love to give you a piece of candy, answer just a very simple question, and you can join us there. The title of this evening's message is simply this, The Course of a Castaway. I probably, I would have liked to entitle it Charting the Course of a Castaway, but I thought that was too many seats and uh, too much alliteration there. But uh, uh, charting the course of a castaway or the course of a castaway. And some of you might immediately think of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 27. Okay, verse number 27. All right, near the end of the chapter. It's where we derive uh, the title from and where will be our springboard passage this evening. Hey, children, listen up. Teenagers, college age, uh, those who are still left with us. And uh, it's certainly good to have you guys here. I mean that. And uh, uh, listen carefully. Tonight's really a challenge for all of us, as it always is. But I trust that yeah, for the younger members, it will be quite a challenge too, kind of charting your course for the years to come. And how to make sure you're not going the course of a castaway. And uh, we'll see what we mean by this terminology here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 27 with me, if you will. Paul writing, and uh, I love this statement. I do. It's one of my favorite. You've heard me quote it, reference it many times. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I myself should be a castaway. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite because of the admonition that Paul gives us from his own practical living as a Christian. Just a verse or two before, in fact, the verse right before, I believe, is where he says, I run and I fight. And in the midst of running the Christian race, fighting the, the Christian fight, he says, listen, this is the thing that I have to do. I have to keep my body in subjection to me. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And so the verse tells us, why does he do that? Why is he so uh, concerned? In fact, the terminology here means that he keeps a consistent, constant vigilance in controlling his flesh, his carnal uh, self, his old nature. He's vigilant about it. Boy, he's always watching and, and uh, like a child watching the clock anticipating maybe the end of school or recess or lunch or something like that, right? Or some of you men and, and ladies uh, looking for that end of the day clock, all right? To hit uh, three, four, five o'clock, six o'clock, whatever it may be. So there's, ante- there's a vigilance of paying attention, consistent, constant, making sure that my body is in subjection to me, that, that it answers to me. Why is Paul like that? Well, the answer is given in the verse. Because if he doesn't, the outcome is going to be that he is a castaway. What's a castaway? Well, it really, in the Greek, what Paul says is simply this. A castaway is a person who has gotten off course so terribly they are worthless and unprofitable. That's the term castaway. Sometimes we, it sounds like something to do with a ship or whatever. So you can maybe think of it in a sense of that way. A ship that's gotten so off course, it's of no use to us. It's, it's not good. It's not profitable anymore. Well, in this case, he's saying, I don't want to be the person that gets so far off the course that God has charted that he wants for my life that I am worthless, that I am unprofitable for God. Now, I'll tell you this evening, you and I know this is probably the most feared outcome for any believer it ought to be that you and i would stray so far away from god and his word and his way that we are unprofitable literally worthless 
for God and the cause of Christ. Young person, listen carefully this evening. You need to avoid at all costs the course of the castaway. You need to avoid it. You need to say right now, I'm going to chart a course that doesn't follow after that, but it follows after God and his precepts and his instructions, and I'm going to follow God through the rest of my life. I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to bring my body in subjection. I'm not going to allow my my course to be charted by my flesh and my fleshly desires and lusts. No, it's going to be charted by God's Word and the Holy Spirit. It's a conviction, a, a commitment to that truth. You don't want to end up at the end destination of being a castaway, doing little for the kingdom of God. Tonight, to illustrate uh, this course of the castaway, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13, certainly it's a familiar passage. In fact, on Sunday nights, we were just here a little while ago as we talked about the call to separation and what that means and the danger of compromise and things there. And so uh, we're very familiar with it, and yet it illustrates this idea of a castaway so beautifully. Um, we're going to look and revisit for this sermon that judge known as Samson. So Judges chapter 13, if you want to join me there, we'll just uh, look at a few verses. We know the story well, but let's draw out uh, some, a few what I would call stops along the way on the course of a castaway. A few stops along the way on the course of a castaway. And uh, we'll see it bear, borne out in the story of Samson. Um, but understand, as you found Judges chapter 13... Think for a moment about the story of Samson. It is one of, honestly, it is one of the few stories of the lives of individuals that is so very tragic. And when you consider Samson, and and I'll mention this if time permits at the end of the service, my, Samson had such great potential. He had such great potential to do great things for God and his nation, his people. Such great potential. But you talk about unfulfilled potential. That was Samson. Tragic, for sure. But as we study his life, the writing was on the wall. We, we could see some things happening and indicative that he was going a course, not the course of God, not the way of God. He was literally going the course of the, the castaway. You see, as he was going down that course, sadly, he really didn't care about it. So the challenge for you and I this evening is, number one, let's ensure that you and I aren't traveling down the course of a castaway and making the same stops as he did, especially you, young person. Whatever your age may be, can I challenge you? Make sure that even tonight you you have not already started to make uh, some of these stops. You've already started going down the course of a castaway and to get onto your own path as opposed to God's path. We'll see it play out here, and I want you to see first and foremost, number one, notice this statement. The first stop on the cause or the course of the castaway is this, rejection, a rejection of his heritage, a rejection of his heritage. We won't look in depthly, but Judges chapter 13 actually is like a window into the home life of Samson. It's like a window. You and I get to gaze into the, uh, his parents' home um uh, manoah and his wife and we get to kind of see what kind of home it was uh, quick perusal of chapter 13 we'll find out immediately it was a godly home it was a home in which the parents 
followed God faithfully. They believed in Him. Literally, they feared God. And they also believed in the power of prayer. It would not be uh, too unlike many of the homes that you, that you and I grew up in. A God-fearing family that, that feared God, that, that cared about the things of God, that believed in the power of prayer. They prayed, in fact, concerning needing wisdom for rearing this child that was a blessing and gift from God. I don't know about you, but I've uttered that prayer many times. Father, give me wisdom for how to raise this child. Look at verse number 8, if you will, with me, of chapter 13. Then Manoah entreated the Lord. He prayed to God and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. God, we need help. I'll tell you, that's a wise prayer for any mom and dad. For any parent, hey, we need help. Look down at verse number 12. Uh, The Lord answers his prayer. Verse 9 says, God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. Look at verse 12. And Manoah said to the man that came back, now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? You know what these verses tell us? They feared God. They prayed to God. They believed in God. And they also said, God, you tell us your way. We'll follow it. You show us what we're supposed to do as parents. We'll do it. And he had already instructed some some things here, verse 4 and, and even uh, 5, about uh, uh, how she was to conduct herself, Samson's mother, while being uh, great with child and so forth. And they are saying, okay, God, we're going to follow your way. Now, isn't that amazing? Here is a great godly home in which they're attempting to please God. In fact, we know they faithfully offered sacrifices to God, and they believed in God's promises. Now, I'll tell you right now, that is a great home to grow up in. Hey, young person, listen to me. If you are growing up in a home in which your parents fear God, they love God, they believe in God, they pray to God, they offer sacrifices to God, and they often are asking God for wisdom, you need to thank God for the home you're living in. You need to thank God for your parents. You need to think that He has blessed you because I'll tell you, there's a whole lot of people that are growing up in homes that have no idea who God is. You are privileged tonight. You are blessed tonight. In fact, as the terminology in our sermon says, you have a great heritage. It just simply says this, what's being passed on to you, what's being instilled in you, in your home, boy, don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever take it for granted. You're blessed. Now the impetus then is for you to grow up and do the same. Have a heritage that follows after God. Now, what's interesting about, about Samson here, he didn't just have that heritage, but the fact was this. He was blessed of God. He had a special endowment of the, the Holy Spirit from God to be a conqueror, a judge for the nation of Israel. He was called to be a Nazarite. Uh, God had blessed him. As a Nazarite, as we studied before, he was never to drink strong drink, never to touch a dead body. His hair would be the symbol of God's power upon him. But here's the problem. Sadly, in the early years of his life, Samson rejected his heritage. He grew up in a home that prayed, that that feared God, that that tried to obey and say, God, tell me what to do. We'll do it. Uh, Manoah and his wife said, hey, anything you ask us, just tell us how to order this child, how to rear him uh, up in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Just show us. And then Samson gets of age. You know what he does? 
he rejects the heritage that he'd received. He decides and makes the decision that he is going to live as one that literally despises his godly heritage and regards it very little. He rejects the idea that he should put himself in the hands of God to accomplish the task that God has for him. How do we apply that to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27? Here, here's what it is. When you and I bring our body into subjection to us, we are submitting to God. Because God wants you and I to do just that. He wants you and I to keep this old flesh, this old nature under control. Under our control, which ought to be under His control by extension. So you and I are submitting to God. Hey, Samson didn't want that. In fact, Samson chose much the opposite. He chose rather... To keep his body into submission, he chose to be in submission to his body. He'd allowed his desires and his lusts to control him. They were the things who were his compass and map in life. His guide throughout life was what? What feels good? What do I want right now? Boy, that, that looks good. I, I see that woman and I want her. I, I like that. I want to have that. And that controlled him for his life. You know what it caused him to do? Reject the very heritage that he had been given. Caused him to say, ah, no, 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 no. This is all about me, this life. I, I'm going to please myself. And I'll tell you, this is the initial choice that propels a person on the journey down the course of a castaway. It's the first stop on this course of a castaway. It's one in which we choose to please ourselves instead of pleasing God. Here was a young man, like many of us in this room, many young people here, you have been given a wonderful heritage. For some, it's your parents. For others, it's grandparents. For others, they may not be blood relatives, but there's people who care about you, who have spiritually instilled some things. It may be a faithful Sunday school teacher, a faithful youth pastor, a faithful pastor that has put things in your life, has spoken spiritual things into your life, has given you a great heritage. For those who say, well, my parents, they didn't follow after God. Aren't you thankful that sometimes God brings substitutes into your life? Bus workers, Sunday school teachers, you name it, just a Christian in a pew who cares, who wants to help you have a godly heritage. So all of us are blessed in different ways. And here he was too, had a wonderful heritage, provides a great opportunity. And yet what does Samson do with it? He despises it. He treats it lightly. He rejects it. Let me ask you this evening, what are you doing with the heritage that God has given you, Christian? Hey, some of us as adults... We grew up in a godly home, but how much have we left off continuing those things? Maybe you grew up in a home that really put God first, and yet in your home it's, it's been allowed to slack a little bit. The things of God aren't held up as, mu as much as they were when you were a child in your parents' home. Hey, young people, now you're getting into teenage years or college years, and, and, and now you're, you're making some choices for yourself. And yet, when you were a child, it was obvious mom and dad were directing and guiding you in a, in a direction and down a path in which God's Word mattered, what God said we would follow. Now, you're making some choices, and you're starting to allow the old flesh, your own desires and lusts, to kind of dictate where you're going, what you're doing. How are you doing with the heritage that God has given you? Are you embracing it? Or are you rejecting it? Notice the next stop on this course, and it's very much a survey of Samson's life. We're familiar with it, so we'll just draw out some things here. The second stop is this. Not only a rejection of heritage, but in a resisting of his parents. 
i.e. the spiritual authority in his life a resisting of his parents the beginning of chapter 14 gives us an interesting as we've noted in past sermons gives us an interesting description of samson geographically going down but we have noted that much more importantly it is also a description of him declining spiritually not only did he go down geographically but he went down spiritually here he is verses one and following here in chapter 14 and again, time would not permit us to, to read much of this. We'll pick out a verse here and there. But if we were to read chapter 14, what would we find out? Well, beginning in verse 1, he decides to, to go down into the land of the enemy. He falls in love with a heathen woman and he breaks the laws of separation that God had given him in the entire nation of Israel. He totally disregards. He, he says, ah, God, that's not that important to me. Hey, he sees a woman, the verse says, I want her. His lusts and desires are running wild with him and taking him down this course of a castaway. He comes home. Now get this, young person, don't miss this. He comes home and because he's allowed his flesh to control him, that it's, it's charting the course, he comes home and he looks at mom and dad and he says this, listen, hey, hey, I want her, go get her for me. He literally, in total disobedience, in total disrespect, he walks up to his parents and says, listen, he tells them, go get the, her for me. He does not ask. May God have mercy on a teenager, on a child, who does not ask their parents for direction and counsel, but rather tells them what to do. A young person, listen to me. A sure way to go down the course of a castaway is to resist your parents. To show them disrespect. To disobey them. To not listen to their godly counsel. To not allow them to, to speak truth into your life. And then verse 3, guess what they do? They try to talk him out of it. Hey, and now, come on, Samson. Isn't there somebody here in Israel? In fact, in that verse, literally what they're saying is they're reminding him of the laws of God of separation. But he totally resisted them. He ignores their counsel and leadership in his life. He defies his parents and insists that they get this woman for him. Note it. In the moment, he did not care about defying his parents, disobeying them, or resisting their counsel. All he wanted was his desires fulfilled. Now listen carefully, young man, young lady, listen very carefully to me. There have been times that I have been around children, and there have been times when other children have been around them, and they've came back to me and they said, Hey, you won't believe, I rode in the car with so-and-so, and man, you, you won't believe how they talk to their mother. I have been around and I've heard it when a young lady, a young man doesn't get what they want. Man, they can talk so disrespectful and mean and unkind to a mother or a father. You know what that tells me? They're headed down the course of a castaway unless they get that corrected. Because if you're going to follow after God, God makes it very clear in his word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is respect and heeding of their counsel. So young person, let me ask you, how does it come out? I mean, here's Samson. He just walks up to his mom and dad. He doesn't ask advice. He doesn't ask counsel. He just says, this is what I want. Go get it for me. No, no, just hang on, Samson. Just hang on. Now listen, there, there's plenty of young ladies here in Israel, and, and you know what the law says? You really, you really shouldn't do that. Dad, go get her for me. 
That's literally what I see in the Scripture, don't you? Go get her. I want her now. I, I don't know how old he was, but could you see him doing this? I don't know, Samson, maybe the ground cracked. No, I don't know. I just can't. Uh, uh, super, I mean, could you just. You seen children do that? I have. I've seen even some teenagers do that. Amazes me a time when I hear a teenager, a teenager who should certainly know better, how they talk to a mother or father just simply because mom and dad won't go along with what their flesh wants. Can I remind you, young person, listen to me. God has put spiritual authority in your life. Whether that be a parent or a Sunday school teacher or a Christian school teacher or a youth pastor or a pastor, God has put authority in your life to help you follow Him. To give godly counsel. To direct you on the path, the course, not of a castaway, but the course of a committed Christian. So listen to the authority. Pay attention. Ask questions. Don't defy them. Don't resist them. What a shame to see him act this way. But that is the course of a castaway. One in which they resist God's counsel, godly counsel, godly leadership in their lives that God has ordained himself to be. It really just comes down to this. They want what they want. Be very careful, young person. Make sure you're not resisting your parents or the God-given authority in your life. As it could just be one more step down the course of a castaway. You know know what's neat to note about this too in this story? Again, we don't have time to delve into it, but in chapter 14, he's obviously outside the will of God. He's sinning. He wants this woman. But God in his amazing work and everything, you know what God does? He uses even this sin of Samson to bring about good for the nation of Israel. He allows it to, in which he, he deals a blow to the Philistines. He weakens them in a way through all this. God's will is being done. He's going to see his will accomplished. The question is, is Samson going to go along with it or is Samson going to go being dragged and scream, <laughs> screaming all along the way? That's really what happened. He didn't choose right. And, and yet how much better it would have been for Samson to do it right. For God to use him to defeat the Philistines in different ways if he had just followed after God. Notice it, a rejection of his heritage, a resisting of his parents. Notice number three. I think this is interesting. And and boy, we see this so often in our own lives as Christians. We see a ravaging of his body. A ravaging of his body. His own body, if we might put it that way. A ravaging of his own. What do you mean by that? Well, listen, in the culture uh, of the Israelites and even of that day in other cultures, it was the parents who arranged for the marriage it was a process that involved several months between the arranged engagement and then the culmination in the wedding so uh, samson and he convinced his parents and and uh, uh, they went with him to timnath and on that journey to begin to establish that process to get it going god gave samson power And even though he was out of the will of the Lord, I think that's neat how God showed mercy. Gave him power to kill, to overcome and kill a lion. We remember the story well. Then a little while later, however long it was, then Samson returns to to really finish the deal, to complete the marriage, if we might say it that way. And he turns and he finds what in the carcass of the lion? What was it? 
Honey, good. So we know the story. Well, he, he returns and he finds honey. So, now listen to me. Listen to me, young person. Here he is. He's traveling and maybe he's hungry. Maybe it's a little bit of a distance. And, and maybe he's traveling <laughs> to where he wants to go, Timnath. And he's excited and so forth. That he remembers he killed the lion. So he turns aside and he checks it out. And there it is. Honey in that carcass of the lion. Now, wait a second. He would have hesitated because he knew right away, certainly the conscience, uh, the Holy Spirit would have pricked his heart and said, now, wait a minute. You know that part of your Nazarite vow, you're not supposed to touch a dead body. God's way is not for you to touch it, not to get close to it. He knew it was against his vow. He knew his parents would be against it, would tell him, Samson, don't do that. Hey, children, do you ever hear your parents' voice when they're not around? It's just kind of in your head. You've heard it so long, don't do that. And then it just kind of resonates. You're at school, like, whoa, where did that voice come from? Oh, it's in my head. Oh, no, my parents are in my head. I've had that when I was a kid. I remember that. I, I just, Samson knew. Samson knew. Mom and dad would not like this. This would not be a good thing. I shouldn't do it. I, 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 I shouldn't handle it. I should just honestly run away from the temptation. He knew it. But, oh, how he wanted that honey. Man, that honey was so sweet. Ah, oh, man, delicacy. I, and you know, it won't hurt just to touch a little bit. And just enough to get the honey out and, 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 to t- and just to enjoy that honey. And so, as a castaway does, he subjected himself to his flesh, defiling himself, ravaging himself, corrupting himself, all for the sake of enjoying a little honey from the carcass of that lion. You say, what's the big deal, Pastor? My, how many Christians defile ourselves for enjoying or by enjoying a little honey from the world? The Bible is clear. As the Nazarite was told to touch not the unclean thing, the dead thing. You and I as believers are instructed, touch not the unclean thing. And there's a boatload of principles that go along with it. Avoid the appearances of evil. Don't get close to it. Don't be yoked together. I mean, there's a myriad of principles and teachings of the Scripture that scream at us, don't touch the unclean thing. And yet, young person, listen to me. In your life, there will be a lion carcass all around you. And it will have sweet honey. It will have a popular movie. It will have a popular book. It will have things that the world says, this is awesome. Trends and things like that. That, yeah, they're a little worldly, but it won't hurt just for entertainment's sake. Just for the sake of fun. Just because all my friends are doing it. i got to know what they're talking about. I've got to play that video game. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And what do we convince ourselves? For just a little bit of honey, it's not so bad. To touch the unclean thing. A popular song. A trending TV show. That has stuff in it that we know does not please God. A questionable friendship. I've spoke of it often. The Bible's clear. Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Pretty simple. And yet, my, how we come up with ways to explain that away, don't we? 
Man, I sure do. Oh, just, he's just the sweetest guy. Oh, he's, he's just really special. I know he's not saved, but he... Oh, wait a sec. What have you just done? You want to taste the honey. You don't mind touching the carcass. I mean, bring it down. I mean, this movie. Hey, I, I watched the first movie, and the second one came out. I know it's rated PG or PG-13, and I know there's cuss words on it, and I know there's some scenes of sexuality and things, and, and I know that, but man, I watched the first movie. I've got to see the second. You know what you just convinced yourself? It's worth touching the carcass to get the honey. Amen, Pastor Henry. It's true. And we can do it in all areas of life. We can just convince ourselves, man, I really like that song. I, I know it's worldly, and I know, but man, it just, it, boy, it just speaks to me. Need I go on? It's across the board, friend. Young, old, it does not matter. That honey appears sweet, doesn't it? Oh, man, hey, if I could just work some overtime and, and yeah, I might miss a Sunday, I might miss Wednesday, and I, I just, I may have to skip uh, church, and, and, but boy, if I get overtime, then I can buy this that I want. Guess what you're buying? It's called honey. It's honey. You well know that I'm not speaking of somebody that has required overtime, or uh, it, you know that. What we're talking about here is somebody that's been duped into thinking it's okay to touch a dead carcass to get the honey. And so here was Samson, the course of a castaway. His heart was so hardened too. For the sake of enjoyment or whatever the case may be for us. Hey, our heart can be so hard. What does he do? He takes the honey. Now listen, he gives it to his parents. Godly parents. Didn't know any better. And they ate of the honey too. Literally leading them into sin. Eventually, you know, it doesn't stop there. Later on, he brings it up at the wedding. He jokes about it. He makes it something to laugh at. He makes it a part of his riddle. And he turns it into something, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Let's laugh about it. And he tells people about it. Can I tell you, that is a great barometer, young person, to find out, all of us as Christians, to say, okay, how far am I along in the course of a castaway? Let me ask you this. Do you, do you touch the unclean thing of the world because you just want a little honey? Oh, and maybe privately. You may be fulfilling the flesh. You watch something on the TV or on the internet. You're delving into something. You're reading a, 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 a smutty book because you like the, what it says and the story and the plot. I love the plot. You're watching a TV show that, that does not glorify God. You name it. You subscribe to a social media page and there's not, there's some not so good things on there, but you want to stay relevant. You want to, you want to keep in touch with somebody. And we convince ourselves, it's okay, it's just a little bit of honey, I can touch the unclean thing. Boy, if you don't fix it, if you don't repent of it, you don't turn, you know what happens next? Then you start inviting others to partake. Just like Samson did with mom and dad. Here's some honey, I want you to taste this, I want you to see what it's like. And boy, this honey's delicious, you need to try it, mom and dad. And boy, I'll tell you, teenagers and young people, man, we love to involve others. We love to offer them honey. We like to tell them, man, you you got to watch this movie. Boy, you got to listen to this song. Boy, you got to play this video game. you got to do this. Hey, you, you, I mean, I want you to meet this person. I know they're not saved. And, and yeah, you have to excuse them. They're going to cuss every three words. But man, they sure are a nice guy. 
And all of a sudden, we, give, we offer honey to someone else. Then, guess what? If I don't get it fixed, you know what I start doing? I start laughing at sin. I make a mock of sin. I, I just dismiss it. And I, I, I turn it into something fun and laughable. I joke about it as if it is nothing big. I'll sit there through a sick and uh, corrupted movie with my friend, and we'll chuckle about a scene that neither of us have any business seeing as a Christian. And we'll laugh about it. We'll joke about it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? My, how far we have gone down the course of a castaway. How far we've departed from the way of the Lord. Paul said, no, 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 no. I'm not going there on that route. <laughs> I'm not going down that course. I'm going to keep my body under subjection. I'm going to bring my mind and, and all my members under my subjection. They're going to answer to me. They're going to submit to me. I will not allow them to guide and direct my footsteps. So friend, can I ask you this evening, are you defiling and ravaging your spiritual body? Your new nature, just as Samson did? Are you defiling it? Are you allowing a little bit of the allure of the honey to cause you to touch things you ought not to touch? The unclean thing. Putting things in front of your eyes. Allowing things to come into your ears. You see, the castaway Christian doesn't mind a little defilement. Corrupting himself for a little taste of the honey. Be warned, Christian. It would be easy for any of us to be like Samson, to catch a little glimmer of that honey and be drawn away. But Paul says, and you and I must heed it, but I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Hey, Christian, how is it for you tonight? 